Catechism question this week, number 13, did our first parents continue in the estate wherein they were created? And the answer is, our first parents, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God. Now, it's very important for us to note the form of the question and the answer, referring to Adam and his wife as our first parents because we were represented in him and we are descended from them. And so not only did we federally act in him, he acted uh, on our behalf, uh, and the consequences for the action come to us, but being descended from them, we come into this world in the condition in which they uh, bore their children, produced their children. So when we read the story of Adam and his wife, when we read the history of Adam and his wife, we must not read as if we are uh, unrelated, separate observers, uh, but rather we read it as our own story. Uh, Just as when we read of God entering into a covenant of life with them, uh, the estate into which he brought them uh, in their creation, we read of God's mercy to us, in our first parents, that we are those special creatures with whom God has covenanted himself, none of the other creatures. Uh, Did he bring into covenant with himself? And so the question isn't just, did this unrelated man and woman at arm's length continue in this estate, but did our first parents and we in them? In the second place, we see that The question of how they fell from the estate wherein they're created is answered by the fact that they were left to the freedom of their own will. As Ecclesiastes 7 says, God made man righteous, but he has sought out many schemes. They're left to the freedom of their own will, and that wicked spirit... Uh, who is referred to as the serpent in Genesis 3, and the ancient serpent, the devil, as he continues to be in Revelation 12, he offers another scheme, another way of thinking, another way of behaving, and there's a genuine choice to be made. Uh, Adam, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 tells us, was not deceived. He understood the options before him. Uh, And he uh, willingly chose the option proposed by the serpent. The woman, however, was deceived, indicating that um, she perhaps, uh, since she had not been there, and we see that uh, possibility in some of her answers, that do not line up with the things that God said, do not line up exactly. There are embellishments, additions to what God said in her answers uh, to the serpent in chapter 3. There are additions to what God had said to uh, Adam before she was created uh, in chapter 2. And she either perhaps thought the, the serpent was filling out the scheme proposed by God or perhaps... Uh, she, uh, she even thought that the uh, serpent was telling her things 
that God himself fought uh, and said, uh, but that her husband had not uh, fully instructed her. She's at a decided disadvantage, uh, and she is deceived, uh, indicating and implying that she even thought that she was obeying, which is a great warning to us because the seeking out of many schemes and the deception of adding to what God has said, thinking that we are somehow fulfilling what God has said by our own supplement, uh, it continues today. It deceives many, even in the churches. Uh, since we're here on January 1st doing this lesson, uh, we've just come out of a season in which many self-deceived in the churches have added to the religion uh, given by Christ and uh, and thinking the, sincerely, just as the woman, that they are fulfilling what God uh, has given us to do. But we must be careful, as we are left to the freedom of our own will, then not to, as Ecclesiastes 7 says, seek out many schemes. <clears throat> For if this was a way that our holy and righteous parents in the estate were, uh, in which they were at the time could fall from that estate, how much more dangerous for us uh, being unrighteous and ungodly, and even having been redeemed, having so much remaining sin and the effects uh, of remaining sin on uh, upon our minds. Uh, and so there is genuine freedom in the choice uh, that they made, uh, just as there is a uh, genuine choice in every choice uh, that we make. The, the question is not, does man have a free will? God has given man a free will, and the Reformed, the biblical uh, Christians uh, never dispute that. What we dispute is who is in control of the why of history, the why of providence, especially the why of redemption. And we are not redeemed because of our will. We are redeemed because of God's will. Now, the how God who wills our redemption brings that about, of course, involves our will. He takes us who are as we deserved, having fallen from the estate wherein we were created in our first parents. He takes us from the place where our real choices are really wicked, because we are wicked. And there is the bondage of the will, not that the choices are somehow less real or less genuine, but that they are all bad and wrong. That is the bondage. And God in his mercy, who has freedom even to overrule our bondage because of the greatness of his power, out of the greatness of his love, as devised by the greatness of his wisdom, he saves us. And so that is the question of the freedom of the will. How dreadful to think that there are some who wanting to make men free enough to be the why of their own salvation would bind God and limit his free will to save whom he pleases and ability to save whom he pleases. But our fairest parents were left to the freedom of their own will. And the woman not, um, the woman being deceived and the man not being deceived, uh, they sinned. And we will consider that, uh, later. But they fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God. Now we are going to consider the nature of sin. We are going to consider the, the nature of their specific sin. Uh, 
the thing to notice here uh, is that the condition of man changed entirely at that point. That God created us in this wonderful, glorious, generous estate of knowledge, righteousness, and holiness being in a covenant of life with him and that we fell in our first parents by our own devices, by our own, as it were now, willfulness, so that God is not to be blamed for our falling, even though he ordained it for our redemption in Christ. Because although God was greatly merciful and generous to join us to himself in the first man he created, the first Adam, the purpose of all things comes from the love and the determination to join those upon whom he had previously set his love from all eternity, to join them to himself in his son-made man, the last Adam. And so when we see the current estate of man, we see what man has brought upon himself, that which is so dreadful, to have fallen from knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, to have fallen from covenant with God, to have fallen from communion with God, and to be making earth as much as he can, except that the merciful almighty hand of God restrains him in common grace. Man now makes earth as much of a hell as he can by his sin. And so even the continuing goodness uh, that we see in the world and the restraint that we see God making of the reprobate sin and especially um, the great and merciful work that we see of God carrying out of his plan of redemption. Those are the things that belong to God. But the estate that we find ourselves in, and we're going to, uh, in the catechism following the scripture, learn about uh, the sinfulness of the estate and the misery of that estate. But the fact that we are no longer in the estate where we are created, the fact that we are now in the condition in which we find ourselves, it is our own fault in our first parents. And all of the sinful, desiring, thinking, feeling, choosing, acting, speaking that we do as an expression of the estate that we came into, even in our first parents. So did our first parents continue in the estate wherein they were created? Our first parents, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God. A dreadful truth, but an important one for us to know.